You're listening to Out of the Box with Rosie Tran. If you guys like us, please subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and leave a comment. We need more comments. We don't have that many comments. Come on, guys. Um, I'm here today with director, stand-up comedian, slash, I think a million other things, Jordan Brady. How are you today, Jordan? I'm doing great, Rosie. Thanks for having me on the podcast. You're welcome. (laughs) Wow, that was such an intro. You have a lot of slashes. You're a writer. You're a comedian. You're a director. You're a documentary film director. You're a mainstream film director. You do a lot of stuff. And I, I've recently added podcaster. And you're a podcaster. To the list, yeah. <laughs> what is your podcast? My podcast is called Respect the Process, and it's so niche. Can we say bad words? Because I almost Oh, said, you can say whatever you want. Said, it's so fucking niche. It's about commercial filmmaking, the filmmaking process of making television ads or really? web ads. So that's like a very narrow group of people that have an interest in that. <laughs> it's advertising copywriters and art directors and creative directors and producers that, that work at ad agencies. And it's film crew, sound men, DPs, cinematographers, uh, actors. A lot of actors listen. Why did you decide to do this type of podcast instead of maybe talking about stand-up or talking about you know directing or film in general? Well, I don't, I don't make a living as a stand-up comedian. I've done stand-up for 30-some years and got back into it because of the movie I Am Comic. Just so which, you know, 90% of stand-up comedians don't make a living doing stand-up comedy. <laughs> well, I used to make a living. I made a good living as a stand-up comedian. And now I, when people say comedian, I feel a little guilty. But, but I do believe that you're born funny and that if you're a comedian, you can retire from stand-up comedy, but you're a comedian. Like in your heart and in your mind, right? Like a like a fisherman. You don't have to make a living as a fisherman, but (laughs) But that guy fish. The guy loves to fish. He's a fisherman. (laughs) Well, I think you'll always be a stand up. I mean, you've done comedy for over thirty years. That's. I think you can carry that badge without being a little. Like you said, you know, you feel weird being called that. I mean, come on. I've done. I've done uh, a couple of dozen cable shows in front of a brick wall back when that was popular. (laughs) Yes, I'm going to own it right now. I am comic. You available are. on iTunes. Wait, so tell I me about I am that. comic. I I've watched a little bit of it. I didn't get to finish it before you came here, unfortunately. What gave you the idea to say, "Hey, I'm going to make this documentary about stand-up comedy"? That's a really easy answer. I shoot commercials for a living. I'm a director, right? Yeah. And since the advent of Google and YouTube, there's a bunch of people at, from the ad agency and the clients that I work for that are sitting around a monitor. We call it Video Village because it's where the video monitor is for them to see what we're doing over there. And in between camera setups, people are on their laptops and they're Googling and someone will find an old clip of my stand-up from (laughs) an evening at the Improv or the A-List on Comedy Central. It's like me in a 90s green suit with shoulder pads. Do you have a mullet? I had a mullet. (laughs) Technically, it was what they call the soccer haircut, Rosie. I just want to be clear. And they would ask me, like, what was it like to be a comedian? What was that like then? And I would tell these stories. And then I thought, I should do a documentary. Instead of just repeating myself over and over again. (laughs) And originally, it was going to be called uh, Comic Boom. It was going to be about a specific period of time from, like, 82 to 92. When stand-up flourished and populated the country, you know, with clubs and cable shows. But then as it as it, a documentary is a living, breathing thing. It just kind of started growing. So it, it started growing, <laughs> and then it became I Am Comic. That's great. One of the titles was uh, Addiction. Like it had, it was either addicted to laughs or, you know, something stupid. But, but it was, it talked, it talked about how we're all addicted to it. And it wasn't as funny. So <laughs> for me, it was. It sounded kind of depressing. <laughs> I thought, could you imagine making a documentary about stand-up comedy and taking it so seriously that it's not funny and calling yourself a comedian that became a filmmaker but don't and you it's think not funny? Most, that would suck. But don't you think most comedians are a little bit too serious? And speaking of addicted, I've got a great phrase for you regarding that. I was sitting in the back of the comedy store a couple of years ago with um, a celebrity comedian who's multi-millionaire and he's i, I asked him something What's his name? i'm i will tell you off the air <laughs> what's his initials or is um, his initials lck no oh. 
Uh, no. Um, and he said, you know, stand-up comedy is an addiction. And I said, well, why do you say that? And he said, Rosie, I'm a multimillionaire. I've been in dozens of films. I have a family, a wife, and kids at home. And I'm sitting here on a Tuesday night in the back of the fucking comedy store with you yeah. waiting for five minutes. Right. <laughs> He's like... It's an addiction worse than crack cocaine. <laughs> Tim Allen. No. no. <laughs> Good callback, though. Yeah, because, you know, the drugs and the thing and the addiction and the movies. No, he, the comedian was African-American. Um, Chris Rock. No, no. Um, I don't want to badmouth him because some of his movies are not that good. But what you said was not badmouth. <laughs> I mean, you didn't badmouth. You, you actually paid an homage to his... Uh, you can say addiction or dedication to the craft and well, art of stand-up comedy. Well, I'm not a fan of stand-up, so if we started talking, uh, things would go. <laughs> so if you're listening, nameless black comedian, multimillionaire movie star. He knows who he is. Uh, does he, he listen to the podcast? I don't think he does. He's probably too busy with his millions. But um, I've had other, you know, being in the business, in, especially being in L.A. over the years, for as long as I have, I've met and worked with quite a few larger, you know, caliber comedians. And it's, I've heard the same kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like I can't stop. I want to get out of it. There are people who have gotten out of it. I mean, Jim Carrey doesn't really do stand up anymore, but he does like positive public speaking, I think. And then, um, he just wants to make goofy faces in front of large crowds. (laughs) God bless him. He's such a nice guy when I've met him a couple of times. And, uh, I mean, some people do get out. They go, I'm out and I'm getting out. But I feel like you kind of always are, you know, addicted so maybe that would have been a good title well there's a there's a comedian named dana gould uh-huh. have you heard of him yes okay he has a podcast and <laughs> i i said that trying to be funny like don't don't they all don't all comedians <laughs> have a fucking podcast now and this is why i did not want to do podcasting to begin with dana gould is one of my favorite comedians we're around the same age we've been doing it around the same number of years and everything and because I do these commercials and I and I have my fingers in the comedy pie around L.A. Just so you know, because you can't see, uh, Jordan is waving his fingers. <laughs> right. Well, that was fingers in the comedy pie. Thank you. I would take, I still do, I take my clients and the people I'm shooting with, they're very creative, funny people in their own right, to see a comedy show. And a lot of them come from Chicago or New York and, you know, they don't know the scene. <laughs> Air quotes being done for the podcast. <laughs> We don't use stream video, okay? <laughs> Thank God. So I took a bunch of guys to see Dana Gould's one-man show at the UCB Theater. And I was sitting in the second row. I love to sit in the back, but that was all that was there. And between, you know, they had an act and a little break, and Dana came out, and he looked at me, and he goes, you're going to sit here during my show? <laughs> I said, yeah. And he goes, you're cured. <laughs> you're actually cured. I could never sit at a comedian show. I can't. It's awful. It's absolutely awful. And I don't think people realize that. I've had friends try to drag me to comedi- comedy shows. And they're like, oh, you know, I'm a fan of this person. I'm a fan of this person. And it's like impossible. Right? It's impossible. It's hard. I did it. But I had to get up and leave as soon as it was done. I, Brian Regan. Who Brian Regan, if you know him, is he's one of the few people that is known for being a stand-up comedian strictly because he's a stand-up comedian. Like, even Louis C.K. is is now known because he has a show. Yeah. And Jerry Seinfeld played a comedian on his show. But until then, you, the masses didn't know him. Brian Regan, but you're staring at me like you don't know him, so maybe he's not. I do know Brian Regan. Uh, I was going to make a comment about the Seinfeld thing. <laughs> well, just real quick, I sat in a stadium at a Brian Regan show after we interviewed him for I Am Comic. Available for download on iTunes. <laughs> four ninety nine, something like that. I mean, for rent, that's pretty cheap. Very, very good. I bet you could get a used DVD on Amazon for $2. But don't, because I don't think I make any money. <laughs> and if you go to iTunes, I get at least $0.37. Cents. Support the director. Come on, what, guys. What was, your, what, was your, uh, what was your Jerry Seinfeld comment? My Jerry Seinfeld comment was that uh, Seinfeld is what the number one sitcom of all time is that what it's considered maybe ratings wise and everything money making Uh, it's number one everyone has seen seinfeld every you know most people i I don't want to say everyone there's you know i've met a woman before who didn't know who brad pitt was but um most people have seen it's true i've met a woman who didn't know who brad pitt was (laughs) wow (laughs) she's like who's brad pitt um i love brad pitt 
<laughs> did you see him in uh, 12 Years a Slave? I did. Yeah, he played Jesus. <laughs> he played white Jesus to come save the poor slave. You're going to get me off topic. Can I will finish? tell your story, <laughs> slave man. And Jesus is apparently Canadian. Uh, <laughs> so so what bugs me is that Seinfeld is supposed to be the number one comedy of all time. Almost every single person can say that they have seen it. And Seinfeld did a great um, kind of hat tipping. I don't know what you would call to stand, the art of stand up comedian in general, because he has all these episodes where people ask him dumb questions, you know, as a stand up and he gets frustrated and he does certain things to them. Right. Yet people, even though they have seen the show and they see these silly situations, these awkward situations, still ask these same dumb questions. I'm like, didn't you ever watch Seinfeld? No, people will still go up to you and say, tell me a joke. They'll still go up right. to you and say, I'm like, that was the whole premise of Seinfeld. Like, how many awkward situations did Jerry get into where he was like, oh, my God. You know Another what I mean? idiot asking me Another to do Another idiot asking me a question. Yeah. And, you know, or when he goes home to his parents and, you know, his mom's like, Jerry, and she gives him a hard time for being a comedian and all this other stuff. And yet people still, even though Seinfeld was one of the most watched sitcoms and all this stuff. People, I still get hordes of people and I'll ask them, did you ever watch Seinfeld? Oh yeah, Seinfeld was one of my favorite shows. Okay, well what, why are you asking me to tell you a That's joke? Funny. Why are you asking me this? I was at a show. <clears throat> it was a panel about humor. There's a book coming out called The Humor Code uh, written by uh, a professor in Colorado, University of Colorado, I believe. And <clears throat> his, his name's Peter McGraw. His, his book's coming out August 1st. A little plug there for him. And I'm plugging it because... He quotes me and I am in the book. <laughs> so it's very narcissistic. I think you, I think we're learning that as we talk. Anyway, I went to this panel at the Nerd Melt. Do you know that room? Yes. That's a great room for comedy. It's a little too hip. Like sometimes people were laughing. I, I've taken my son is 20 years old almost, and, and he was laughing at stuff. But then he would look at me and go, they're just laughing because it's, because he fucked up. Right, Dad? <laughs> Like they're not really laughing because he had a funny bit. That was a poorly structured comedy routine, Father. You've taught me well. Anyway, so I saw this comedian, and he was at the panel. He was really funny, and I thought he'd be great for this commercial that I was shooting. This is like two weeks ago. So I approach him and say, hey, someone's going to call you, and the casting people call him, and he comes in the in the room for the callback. You know about that, like the, the audition, right? I don't know. And... And I say, oh, because I want the guy to feel empowered. I go, oh, thanks for coming in. And I say to the people in the room with me, I saw this guy a couple of nights ago at the comedy show. He had this crazy bit. I was telling you, he did the bit about the raccoons. So they had him do it? And they go, what's the routine? And he goes, you want me to do the bit? (laughs) And I was like... I already know this is not going to be good. And I go... No, I don't want you to do the bit. How could it ever be good in this room? At, of three people. At, <laughs> yeah, yeah, at three in the afternoon. Oh, with no. With no microphone, no stage, and you in front of a white backdrop. And what happened? He didn't do the bit. Okay, good. Let <laughs> but the situation was funny about just kind of riffing on not doing the bit. So he was empowered Being and, and funny, felt yeah. funny. That's good. I'm glad you did that. I wish I could say he got the part. But he didn't. He didn't. It, but it, do actors listen to your podcast? I don't know who listens to my podcast. We need comments. I, we need to know who you people are. I don't are. know who's listening. Um, I have a lot of creepy guy fans that send dick pics. <laughs> <laughs> I actually Welcome just to my one. world. I actually... Let me look up the name because I don't even think you'll believe me. You're going to show me a dick pic? I'm going to show you... My recent Twitter follower, I think his name is 18 and Horny, and his avatar is a picture of his wiener. Wow. Because people do not believe how many fun people contact me on a regular basis. Um, here he is. He just added me, a fan, and this is his Twitter profile. <laughs> Wait, let me see that. Let me see that. Me see that. <laughs> and his Twitter handle is 18 and Horny, and his avatar... Hard and Horny. Oh, Hard and Horny. Hard Excuse and horny. me. 18 plus that is uh and that's a weird looking penis and his picture is a picture of his penis thanks for the follow thanks it's an erect penis <laughs> with the mushroom tip but it 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 doesn't look inviting 
these are the fans that I have. So Weird. if I could somehow get more female friends, fans and friends following, you know, it's really hard. Podcasting is weird because a lot of people still, even though, you know, in our world, a lot of people have podcasts. A lot of people still don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. I haven't been able to get my sisters to listen to it. My little sister still, you know, said, I don't know what a podcast is, Rosie. <laughs> I, I told my mother it was a radio show. I do well, a radio show. Well, I'm trying show. not to have any parental people listen because I curse quite a bit and I've had some adult film stars and I have a couple in the future coming. You're talking about a guy's dick. <laughs> exactly. Do not let grandma listen to so the podcast, I don't, Rosie. I don't want um, any family, adult, fa- older mm-hmm. family members to figure out what it is. And I don't think they will because my mom still hasn't figured out Facebook. She's not on Facebook. So that's good. She's still on the email. That's it. She sends out email chain forward letters that say for this to 10 people, you'll die from Nigeria. So she's still on like the 1999 internet level. Right. Dial up. (laughs) Dial up. Right. So I'm happy about that, but I, you know, I can't even get my sister's like 24. I can't get her to listen. I have, you know, a lot of friends, they just don't know what a podcast is. I'm like, guys, I'm getting some really like pretty good guests. Like, you might want to tap into these people's knowledge, and and then I'm getting hard and horny at Twitter. <laughs> That's crazy. Now, hey, hard and horny, uh, you'll love the episode with the Italian philosopher who has a book about religion, and you talked about atheism and and uh, Abraham got, and things like that. I've gotten a couple interesting fans, but um, so I don't know who you guys are. You got to leave comments. I did get one negative comment recently, um, in which the lady said that Do we have a music sting for that. <laughs> she said that my laugh was immature, and that I uh, she just said I was immature and annoying. <laughs> Jeepers! I was like, thanks. You can always turn it off, Grandma. You can always. You don't have to listen. That's the good thing about that is the good thing podcast. about podcasting. But she listened to the whole thing and left a negative comment. So thank you very much for that. You know, took I guess the time to leave a negative comment. So let's talk about some of your films because you actually uh, directed some really big stars while they were up and coming. I did. You know, I have had Charlize oh, Theron and I, I had them before they were like before they were stars. They Patrick did Sw- Jordan. Patrick Swayze Shitty. was a big star. Patrick Swayze was a big star, but his his he was on the. Uh, he was trying to get out of a slump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was a, by the way, a super Luke nice Wilson, guy. Luke Wilson, right? Luke Wilson. Luke Wilson. You had Ben Affleck in a film? I did a film called... <laughs> it's funny because it was just on the movie channel last week. And it was it's, it's over 10 years old. It's called The Third Wheel. And Ben Affleck was going to star in it. And he got famous-ish. No, he got famous. <laughs> he got famous. Not even ish. So he decided to produce it instead. So he's not in it? He's in it. Okay. But he's the buddy. He was going to be the main guy. Who's the main guy? Luke Wilson. Luke Wilson. And and Ben Affleck's the buddy. And we shot him. Like, he's laced throughout the movie, his character. But we shot him in, like, four days. So, so let me ask you a question about directing because I don't know anything about directing. You know, I've directed a couple like YouTube videos that I wrote that's myself. Directing? Well, I mean, okay. So the the process of successful directing, you're a successful commercial director, you're making a living. What is the process? Because as an actress or as a comedian, I know what to do, right? I moved out here. You do open mics, you get booked on shows, you do more shows, whatever. As an actress, you get an agent, you start booking, whatever. What what is the process for a director? Do you go to you know because the seems process like, of of getting work as a director well, and managing a career, or the process of actually directing the business side? The business side, yeah. Uh, there are many avenues into directing. The obvious one is you go to film school, and in film school, after your parents and your grandparents pay hundreds of thousands of dollars, <laughs> you come out with a short film and you get a job as someone's assistant. <laughs> that was a joke. Because, because that doesn't happen? No, it does happen, but why would you want to be someone's assistant after four years of film school okay. and paying $300,000? Sorry, wasn't that funny? Do you delete anything? Do you no. Edit? Okay. <laughs> but, say, so let me, let me just say, seriously, some people go to film school, which is a great way to be a director. A lot of great directors went to film school at USC, and you, you know, it's one of the best film programs. NYU, people come out of there, like Spike Lee, right? Uh, the other way is that Tarantino, uh, Robert Rodriguez, give blood until you have enough money to shoot the scene and you make a movie. There's another way. That Christopher Nolan, who did all the Batman movies. He's a British director. Right? He's a British, British. fella. He did a, his first film, 
I was at the Slam Dance Film Festival with a film I made where his first film played, and I saw his first film called The Following for Film Geeks. Following or The Following? So making it on your own and getting the film festival circuit? That, yeah, that's that's a great way to do it. That's what I did. But um, let me just say this about Christopher Nolan. He shot every weekend for a year. He didn't have a crew for 30 days. He just shot himself. He and him, Yeah, he and his brother and an actor, every Saturday would get together and they would shoot a little piece of the film and they cobbled together a story. But um, And then my way was, which we've seen a lot of people do, I was a stand-up comedian. Full time, making a living, right? <laughs> Fingers in the pie, and telling jokes is like telling you're, you're telling a story. So I ended up writing a movie because no one's really going to give you their script if you've never directed anything. Mm-hmm. So I wrote my own script. I raised some money with the help of a lot of talented people and some credit cards <laughs> and a mortgage on my house, and I made this first movie. And that became, even though it wasn't a huge hit, it's known by enough people that it got me more directing gigs. And it got me into commercials. And, you know, if you don't suck, you, you end up getting work. I mean, is, it, is there a high, a high demand? Because I know that, um, like for writing, I know that there's kind of like this, uh, what is it called? In club, right? Like if yeah. you graduated from Harvard with an English degree, you're like, get a TV writing job yeah. on staff. No questions asked. Or what's the, they all, they went to, not Ithaca. Where's, and there's another college. Where there's another went. one. But yeah. I didn't realize that there was like this big Harvard cult, but I have a, a lot of friends that went to Harvard. Um, and they, you know, moved out here and just you're got in staffed cult. in a, <laughs> and got staffed on a big writing show. I'm like, what the hell? Meanwhile, I know, you know, other friends who went to CSUN and they've been a writer's assistant for 10 freaking years and can't move up the ladder, even though they're brilliant writers. So, well, I'm sure that it helps to be connected and mm-hmm. to have a friend and everything. But I do believe that cream rises to the top. But is there a higher demand for directors? Because there's certain, um, like I know certain aspects of producing. Uh, I don't know all the pr- production titles, but the one where you're doing the budgeting and kind yeah, of sure, like the boring the stuff. line producer. Yeah, there's like a high demand for that because people don't like doing that right. stuff. <laughs> typically, typically the the less people like to do it. <laughs> the more there's a demand for it. There, I think I think just like there's a glut of comedians, I think there's a glut of directors now because the tools are available to anyone. Mm-hmm. But if you... Ta- you know, I've always said this to the young people, and young people, get a pen, write this down. The tools do not equal the talent. So if you shoot your movie on a video camera or, you know, your iPhone or your... 5D or you know whatever you can get to shoot your story if it's a good story and you're kind of hard working to get it at scene someone will see it and give you a break and help you and give you money to make a better one you don't need the big movie crew to tell a great story mm-hmm. that's my belief what about if it's a really good story but you know you don't have the budget there's like weird continuity issues weird lighting issues the f- movie doesn't quite you know well then it's a sucky together. movie <laughs> But that's what I just said. If it's if it's shitty lighting, but it's a good story, people will someone will take yeah, someone will take a look. If it's if there's continuity issues, you didn't tell a good story. Okay. Right. If there's you know the the one thing I tell the young kids, sound <laughs> have great sound. Like even if you had shitty pictures, have great sound in your movie. And here's another thing: make a short film. Go to film festivals and learn and reassess your short film. I I just was reading or watch. When I say reading, I meant I clicked and watched the YouTube video. (laughs) I was reading this video where these uh, filmmakers, these two women were saying, now, because everybody can make shit, you fail publicly. Like, it used to be you you could make your short and then be like, you know, it's not that good. (laughs) And you throw it away. Now... You put it out there and you're beating your chest. This is my short film and we made it. This is my web show. And it sucks. And everybody goes, oh, yeah, we've seen your stuff. You suck. (laughs) So I I recommend having an honest opinion about yourself. I think that that's very difficult in Hollywood because there are a lot of self-deluded people. And I think sometimes, uh, you know, like with stand-up, Leno calls it laugh ears. Like people hear laughter, but there's no laughter. Laugh ears. You never heard that? No. So laugh ears. It's like um. Who calls it that? 
Leno. Jay Leno. Yes. So it's like if a comic... So, you know, it's laughing. <laughs> so like if a comedian's really bad and he's bombing and then he gets off stage, he's like, oh, I killed. I had a great job. I did a great oh. job. Yeah. It's called laugh years. Like beer goggles. Yeah. 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 Like beer goggles. That's funny. I actually think that it's a necessity for the first few years because with stand up, you're putting yourself out there. You know, sometimes you're doing open mics. Or, is there dog hair in your water? <laughs> it's not a dog hair. It's like, <laughs> I don't know what it is. It probably is a dog hair. <laughs> No, Jordan it's looks not disgusted. a hair. Um, I find dog hair in many things in my home. <laughs> so I wouldn't be surprised. You know what? I, I embrace it. Um, but I think I think for stand-up, like the first few years you're going out there, it's like, I don't care if you're Louis C.K., you're not going to be funny the first two years. You might be amusing. You might have one or two good jokes. But stand-up is a craft. Right. That you kind of like, you know. Like Do you think a, you can learn to be funny? I think you can. Really? And I think the reason that I believe this is because I've seen comics suck for years and years and years. And then one day something will flip in their brain. Like you hear enough stand up and you watch enough stand up and you do enough stand up that something will like fall into place. Kind of like a bad joke, right? Like you have a bad joke and you tell it and you tell it and you tell it. You're like, why isn't this joke working? I know it's funny. And then like you switch the way you word something and all of a sudden it's hilarious. That's how I think it is with stand-up. And I've seen comics like that. Not a lot of them, but I've seen comics suck and suck and suck and suck. And people be like, this person sucks. They're horrible. And I'm like, eh, they're okay. And then I've seen them like really get it. Hmm. You know, there's there's a comedian I know that, you know, she's not a very nice person. So a lot of comics I know just think she's a bitch and they always say how much she sucks. And she's not a nice person, but I did a show with her recently and she really killed. And she Initials. Was, she was really, really <laughs> funny. And I was like, wow, you know what? She kind of like, she's a bitch, but she like, finally got stand-up and so i think that you can teach someone Mm. i think you can teach someone to do stand-up because i know a lot of well that's a different question i I agree that you can teach someone the mechanics of stand-up comedy the rhythms and things like that and they can be funny and they can be funny but i don't like i think funny people are born funny you either have the funny gene or you don't have the funny gene i think there's a natural charisma that you can't teach i think there's a natural timing that you can't teach i think there's a natural like some people are just really fucking good joke writers yeah and they just get it and i think you can teach that (laughs) if you ask me nicely um i'll tell you the secret to comedy i mitzi my little puppy is whining i don't know what she wants um but i i do think that there's different levels of comedy and that's something you can't teach yeah like i think there's some people that just have a very base level you know thinking i have a girlfriend that she loves you know, watching um, the Three Stooges and oh, I love the three watching Stooges. people get punched in the face. If you took her to a cer- more cerebral stand-up show, she would sit there with her mouth open going, what the fuck is going on here? This is horrible. Grandma falling off the dock <laughs> on America's Funniest Home Videos, <laughs> trying to get on the boat, makes me laugh every time. And it's not Ico people listening, because I had Ico last week, oh. and she was talking about how much she loves physical humor. Physical humor is just what, you know, I know people that just love a certain type. There's comics, there or there's audience members that love dirty humor. And if you start doing puns, they don't get it. Ooh. You know what I mean? Or there's certain comics or audience members that like certain things. I think you can't teach a sense of humor, but I think sense of humor shows so many different things about someone. It shows intelligence level. It shows knowledge because you can't get a pun or a reference if you don't know what the fuck it means. Right. It shows... um uncomfortability it, it reveals people's belief systems what they're willing to laugh mm-hmm. at and not laugh at what they're willing to get offended by and not get offended by it reveals their openness um some people just can't take a joke they're not open some people some audiences laugh at the wrong part yes like, <laughs> especially like racist people you if, if you said like you know i was with my i was with my black friend and, and they're laughing. And they go, <laughs> who would have a black friend? This guy's hilarious. That's not the punchline. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did a show in Milton, Florida. and I, Milton, Florida. Now, where's that? It's an hour outside of Pensacola. Pensacola. So this would be like Alabama with a tan. It is. This would be the panhandle of Florida. I think Florida. I told this story before, but it's I had... not ha- actually Florida. I had a, I I had a guy, he had a mullet and a mustache and a Bud Light and a tank top. And he came up to me after the show. He said, I don't know what you said, but I knew you were funny. <laughs> he's like, wow. He's I didn't know what you were talking about. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Next thing, wedding bells. <laughs> 
So I think it shows a lot about people. It's more than just, you know, like my parents are very serious people. My dad was an engineer and my mom was a business owner. And they're very, very, very serious people. They actually think I laugh too much. My mom's like, you laugh too much. It's bad. (laughs) I would think that. What a happy, (laughs) joyful way to go through life laughing. She you have a great laugh. A lot of people have said that to me. Just laugh, right? Just give us a laugh. <laughs> I did not do on that on command. Purpose. You just made me laugh. Um, that was like, tell me a joke. Just laugh. I have I have a girlfriend who would get mad at me because I would laugh because I laugh at what they consider inappropriate times, mm. but I consider seeing comedy in all situations, including tragedy. And I, you know, nine eleven, hilarious. <laughs> it can be. Sure. You know what? Everyone says tragedy plus time equals comedy, and Sometimes maybe my time limit is a little shorter than most people. Ah. But I just think drama is funny. You know, like... Um, give us an example of So I will give you... I, I will give you an example. You. I will give you an example. I will tell the story. I may have told it before. I'm sorry, out-of-the-box listeners, but I'll tell it again. Uh, one of my girlfriends, her parents were going through a horrible divorce. And um, her dad came home and her mom had locked him out and changed the locks. Mm-hmm. So she called a couple girlfriends to tell them about it because she was very upset and she was crying. And, you know, everyone was like, oh, that's so, th- I'm sorry that happened to you. That's so horrible, blah, blah, blah. So then she called me and told me, because I was one of her friends, she's a friend from college. And she said, you know, it's so horrible, this and that. And I just started laughing my fucking ass off because I had the image of this poor bastard sitting on the corner with all this shit trying to get into his own house and he like yeah. couldn't get in, right? That's fucking hilarious. And so I just started laughing and she had this, you know, shocked because she's like, why are you laughing? And I'm like, that is so funny. And I told her. Fred Flintstone. Wilma. <laughs> I was like, pounding just, on the door. I said, can you imagine if you came home and to your own home and the door, the locks were changed and I thought she was going to get pissed because she was quiet. And then she just started laughing and she just started laughing and laughing. And we just laughed for about 15, 20 minutes. And she thanked me. She said, you know what? Thank you so much because you really made me look at a negative situation and just laugh at it. And I was like, well, what are you going to do? Sit around and just mope around about it? It's just fucking hilarious. Rosie, I think that's your (laughs) gift. Your gift is taking the, taking the negative, turn it into a positive laughing in people's faces about their own problems <laughs> and getting them with your infectious laugh to laugh along with you. But it's just funny. I mean, if if I came home and my husband locked me out of the fucking house, the first thing I would do would probably be, my natural reaction would be super pissed off and mm-hmm. then I would just sit on the curb and laugh about it. Because it's like, what are you going to do? But is it really funny when it happens to you? It it's is. It's funnier that it happened to the friend's dad. You know what? It is funny and I've had some pretty dramatic stuff happened and it's just funny there it is true tragedy plus time you got to give it a little time right you know i've said this before a 9-11 joke a 9-12 eh, you want to wait a couple weeks a couple months you know some chick had a boston marathon bombing joke like a week later mm. and she was like fired from her job or whatever it wasn't a stand-up she just made a joke about it on twitter or something and she was fired from her job which i think you know whatever she can do whatever she wants in her personal website but I notice that our society is a little bit overly PC and a little bit over offended by things. And it kind of just personally bothers me because I think if you can't laugh at yourself and you can't laugh at a situation, you know, I think we just have too many sticks up our butt about people, things being racist. Funny visual, by things. the way. <laughs> it is. Stick up the butt. Oh, well, think, okay, here's, the, here's, here but is. In reality, painful, but here you've made it funny. Well, here's something like a situation that I took, right? So I. Uh, used to get super offended. Like I would go do shows and as you know, stand up comedy is like what, 80% dudes. Yeah. Right? Dude heavy. Dude heavy. So I would go out and, and a lot of these dudes, especially in LA, have had Asian ex-girlfriends. There's a lot of Asian women in Los Angeles. It's also a thing. It's a I thing. mean, we, it's a thing. you go through, you go through <laughs> your, your Asian thing as a, as a dude. So I used to get really offended. I would get really irritated and I would get really offended because a lot of these times some of the jokes would be super hacky or super dumb and you know whatever and i used to get offended i was like oh my god that's so offensive and i would get really mad well one night i was doing a show at a bar in hollywood and i was the only girl on the show and i was last i wasn't headlining i was just last and i think there was 12 comedians on the show and all 12 of them had an asian girl joke wow so what are the odds what are the odds so i was like okay so this is either god saying rosie this is a chance for you to learn and grow or i can get pissed off and offended again 
So I went on stage and I immediately addressed it as like my opening joke. I was like, man, Asian chicks are really taking it up the ass there in this comedy show. And the crowd just completely fell apart. Did you understand why that was funny? <laughs> yes, yeah. I did. And, and they just went nuts. And it was like a 10 person crowd. It wasn't a big crowd. It was a bar crowd. And they all looked like they had been dragged to the comedy show. And I must have had one of the best sets of my life just making fun of all the other male comics who are making fun of Asian chicks. Wow. And so then I was like, why was I getting offended by this? It was something personal about me that I was taking personal. And now every single time a comic on a show does a joke about an Asian girl, I love it because I totally just play off them and make fun of them. And it's great. You you might want to get those gentlemen together and make a tour. <laughs> make a tour. And get a bus. And Bitter you guy comics that hate Asian chicks. <laughs> well, I don't think they hated them, right? Oh, I you didn't hear these Hate's jokes. a strong word. <laughs> they were bitter. You know, um, so yeah, so I just, I was like, you know, it's a gift. It's not a curse. It's a gift. And, you know. You seem very happy and well-adjusted. <laughs> I know. That's why I, I mean, need to get out no, of stand-up. <laughs> think about it. You, you, have a, you love your husband. Do we talk about him on the podcast? We can talk about him. Okay. So you, how long have you been married? <laughs> Three years. Wow. That's, you know, marriage that's is. That's like a, 10 years for LA, right? Yeah. <laughs> and marriage, it's such a sacred twice-in-a-lifetime event. <laughs> That I really two or you, three, maybe four, maybe four. <laughs> you cherish. I hope you cherish. But you seem you love your husband. You you do this podcast out of passion. You have a variety of uh, types of a variety of types of people on the show, and you branched out from just comedy, and you're doing your own thing. You seem like a very well-adjusted person. And I think that's what makes me kind of have this love-hate relationship with stand-up, because a lot of stand-ups are well-adjusted and a lot of people do stand up because i think they feel the need to prove themselves Mm -hmm. you know they're out there you're on a stage you're getting immediate very you know applause or laughter or not and i think a lot of comics do it for the wrong reasons and there were times in my life where i did do it for the wrong reasons i was doing it for approval attention etc and then i went to therapy and fixed all that shit now i just do it because i love making people laugh but That's a great reason to do it. But there's a lot of people who don't. And comedians, if you're listening to this, go get fixed. <laughs> because well, you shouldn't be asking for approval from strangers. You should be giving a gift. And by fixed, you mean neutered. <laughs> so they can't procreate and make more little comedians. I agree with that. No, I mean, don't don't go out there trying to get mommy and daddy's subconscious attention from well, Rosie, strangers laughing at you Rosie that's that's never going to happen <laughs> and, and I go think and make people laugh because you like laughing and you like making people laugh yeah but that's you can't say that I mean you can say whatever you want at your show but I'm saying that get out get a out a lot of the comedians a lot of comedians are fueled by you know this a uh, tortured upbringing or a need to be heard and we all want to be heard you know, but, and, it, and, but it can sw- <clears throat> the switching of it is not as hard as you think. Like I used, I, hey, you know, like I used to have a lot of comics telling me that they couldn't believe that I would do stand up because I had it so easy. I'm doing finger quotes. Yeah. Yet they knew nothing about my background. Right. You know, I, I'm a young woman, and I think because, like I said, because there's a lot of guys. You know, maybe they were rejected by girls, so they think, why are girls doing stand up? It's for, like you said, tortured artist thing, mm-hmm. and they don't know. You know, I've had comics try to have pissing contests with me, like literally list the bad shit that's happened to you. You know, I'm like, okay, why, but what I are think you that's about? part of the breed. You know, and and not in every comedian we can't stereotype comedians just like we can't stereotype hot Asian chicks taking it up the butt. <laughs> Not every comedian is a tortured artist. Some want the attention. Some are like, mommy, look at me, and they're working that issue out. Ask me why I do comedy. Jordan, why do you do comedy? For the pussy. No, um, <laughs> purely for the shock. That's why I said, no, I do it like the golf. The road pussy. Woo. <laughs> I do it like golf. Like some people go golf. I don't golf. You want to improve your score? No, well, I want to improve my score. I want to be, I want to relax. I'm just being punny. I want to relax. <laughs> I want to have a good time. It's a little, it's almost like getting a massage. Like if I can go up at the YooHoo room in Burbank, right? Do you know that room? Which is always a great crowd. It's small. There's no pressure. I'm not trying to get a deal. I'm not trying to get on, put on a show. I just don't care. But I so think- I get it. So to me, stand up is like, a, it's a privilege that I get to do it at some of these clubs. Or when a comedian says, hey, do you want to do my show? I'm like, fuck Yeah. And I'll go do a set and work out new stuff. And 
you know, I don't do it. This is like a couple times a month now, whereas even a few years ago, it was just a couple times a year. So to me, it's a it's a privilege. So I, I'm not trying to make it about me. I'm just saying that I am comic available on iTunes. I am. It is. <laughs> Thank you. For that. But so that's just one Call sliver. <laughs> That's one sliver of why someone would do it. It's a very narrow but piece I think, of the pie. But I think that but most guys are doing positive. it for a career. Another pe- slice of the pie are actors trying to get stage time to get seen to get uh, an acting gig, and they don't even care about stand up. Maybe their manager said, "You ought to do stand up." I agree with you, and but I think your reason is pos- a very positive reason. It's very positive, very healthy. But I'm saying there's so many comics out there that do it. They think it's one reason, but it's so obviously another reason. They're like, oh, I just want to launch my career. I always wanted to be a comedian. But they're not looking at the reason underneath that, which is they're trying to get attention or they're trying to get validation. And I'm not saying it's wrong to get attention or validation, but I'm saying if that is your sole subconscious motivating factor, it's not a very fun thing. Yeah. May, it may not be in the documentary. I am comic. Jamie <laughs> Available Masson- on iTunes four ninety nine. Thank you. <laughs> it might be like ten bucks, nine ninety nine to buy. Will you give this man some money? Yeah. Well, no, you'll enjoy it. A lot of a lot of comedians have seen it multiple times. But uh, Jamie Masada, one of the nicest people in the comedy business, runs the Laugh Factory on Sunset. He's interviewed in the movie. You didn't make it this far in the movie. You'll you'll see it when you finish. You're like, um, it's the first scene, Rosie. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. In the first three minutes. He said he can always, I won't do a bad impression of him, but he says uh, he can tell right away if a guy's doing it just for the stage time and the exposure or if he's doing it because he has the love of crafting a joke and being a, a comedian and, and making people laugh. A true comedian wants to make people laugh. And let me point out something else. If a comedian is a tortured soul, but he makes a lot of room full of people laugh. I don't give a fuck about him. I, care. <laughs> I think, in fact, I applaud that comedian for suffering for the greater good. It's like Michael Jackson, God rest his soul. Michael Jackson made millions of people smile with his music. So what if he had to sleep with some boys? <laughs> I mean, you that know. That is not proven, Jordan. Whatever it takes to get him to that creative place, I say God bless him. Just so you know. Totally kidding. Just so you know, my miniature schnauzer is named after Jamie Masada. Really? Yes. What's your miniature miniature schnauzer's name? Jamie Masada. The first and last name? Yeah, he's sitting on the couch. You can check his name tags. Wow. <laughs> does Jamie Masada know that Jamie Masada? He does not. And Jamie Mitzi, Masada? come here. Mitzi, show him your name tag. That's Mitzi Shore. That's right. The whiny little Jack Russell. Wow. I'm a comedy girl. For she, sure. She makes me laugh all the time. My little puppy. <laughs> she wants food or something right now. Um, ten more minutes, Mitzi. We're almost done. <laughs> Ten more minutes. Hey, how did I become a guest on the show? How did you become a guest on the show? Yeah, how did how did we meet through the web? I Twitter? messaged you and I said, Jordan, come to the show. No, I know, but how did we we didn't meet in person? No. <laughs> I know, but so how did I come up? Some weird algorithm or? I don't know, but we followed each other probably because yeah. we're both comedians, right? And then I was scrolling through my tweets and you probably tweeted something interesting or amusing and I looked oh, at your yes. profile again and I said, Jordan, come to the show. And you said yes. Wow, I'm so flattered. Because <laughs> I've been I've been listening and I got, wow, what do, what do I have to say? Well, you've been talking. <laughs> <laughs> you tell stories. You're interesting. Oh, go on. <laughs> I am comic available on iTunes. Uh- <laughs> now I'm, I'm, I'm cutting a sequel. Oh. Called I Am Road Comic. Okay. And a comedy booker and friend of mine, this guy Don Barnhart, works out of Vegas. Don Barnhart? Why and do he I know books that some name? Rooms. He's also a talented hypnotist. I don't know sleepy. if that name sounds really familiar. When you wake up, you'll feel refreshed. <laughs> Don You don't do me. voiceovers? No, 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 no. I should. That was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah. Hi there. I used to, I used to do... Uh, Popeye's chicken radio commercial. Oh my God. Yeah, Are funny? you kidding me? Yeah. Do one of your commercials right now. Right now for five ninety nine. We got pieces and prices that you can't resist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't remember what we said. But um Don Barnhart was on the we were on the phone. He had made a comedy documentary about a stand up comedy class that he taught in Vegas. This I, this is not just because I'm thinking about Asian girls on the brain. Does he have a Vietnamese wife? He does. 
Did he do a documentary called China Dolls? Yeah. I didn't know it was a documentary. I thought it was like an action flick. Okay, got it. I do know Donald Marhart. It might be Marhart. porn. It's not no, porn! <laughs> so he, and he successfully distributed these movies, and he was talking to me about his documentary about uh, on teaching stand-up comedy, which I said, you can't teach it. But we've covered that. At the end of the conversation, he goes, hey, do you want to go do this gig? Jack Diddley's up in Washington State. And I go, uh, what do you mean? He goes, it's a weekend, Friday, Saturday night. They love comedy. Take a friend. You can co-headline. And I said, but Don, I have seven minutes. <laughs> I'm doing it at the Yuhu room. He goes, hey, you'll figure it out. So He goes, hey, you'll write some material. <laughs> See what I said? I said, yes. Did you write the material? Well, I wrote 20 minutes. Okay. And then I, uh, I tweeted, does anybody want to come do 20 minutes? So that was 40. And then I got a comedian, Wayne Fetterman, who would never do Jack Diddley's. <laughs> he, does, he does more colleges and concerts. He opened for Jimmy Fallon for a number of years, probably mm-hmm. still does. And so we went to Washington State, and I did, we did the shows. And I documented the whole thing. So I interviewed like T.J. Miller and Jim Norton, Jen Kirkman, yeah, yeah, uh, Judah Friedlander. Some big name comedians have given interviews about the road. How about that? That's fun. Yeah. How many uh, road shows did you? So you used to travel. Yeah, I know this was a weekend. No, I know that, but you said that you used to make your living. So yeah, I used to travel like you know forty weeks a year. Were you headlining? I headline. I started to headline. But I did. Co- I started doing colleges before I was a um, a headliner in the clubs, and the colleges paid more, like more in a night than headlining a week. Yeah, yeah. So it was really good. It was fun. Um, it was a little moment we had. Right there. <laughs> I was thinking. Were you, what were you thinking? Like, oh, I got to get the dogs out. No, I'm. <laughs> my little Mitzi is whining, and I don't know why she's whining. She's never done this on we'll a wrap podcast it up. before. Do a wrap up. Don't you have a button you push? And no, it's no, like, no, 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 no. We're, you're going to get your full time. That was out of the box. <laughs> you're going to get your full time. Um, okay, so so you're working on I Am Road comic. Yep. And you filmed it in one weekend. Are you going to add supplemental footage? Yeah, the interviews with the people I listed okay. while you were dozing off talking to the dog. <laughs> I wasn't dozing off, but this is very strange. She's actually usually a really good podcast guest. She doesn't bother us at all, and I, then she hasn't been bothersome. And then she stands in the window and barks, and then I go, "Mitzi, shut up!" <laughs> well, I like that you incorporate the dogs into the podcast. I'm thinking of taking little uh, what is it called glamour shots of them and putting them on the website mm, because be you, they're available in every episode in the back, barking or whining at least once. Can I give my Twitter and podcast a plug for anybody that's made it this far? We're still going. Oh, you do that at the end. Yeah, we're still going. We need comments, people. (laughs) We need comments. Okay, so back to your your rendezvous with these big name stars. What was it like working with Charlize Theron when she was up and coming? Oh, wow. She was really cool. She was super, super talented. She's beautiful. The movie is called... I uh, well no it's called you were gonna plug I w- no I wasn't I just I've said it so many times it's called uh, waking up in Reno Billy Bob Thornton yeah Billy Bob Thornton's and he's a great actor a little difficult to work with as you would imagine so why what so what so what makes someone he, you know really difficult like being a he was a producer on the film and he would be two hours late to the set and that's not cool that doesn't respect the process but he's you know he's a great actor he can do what he wants Charlie's Throne was excellent to work with. And Patrick Swayze was uh, crazy, what like batshit crazy. He was just out there for real. Yeah, for real. But super nice guy. Like I don't mean in a bad so, way. No, no. Just, so what does that mean, batshit crazy? Like he would just eat all the craft service and leave nothing for anyone, yeah, or like, he knock would shit shove over his face with carrots, <laughs> with baby carrots. All right, right, right. No, just he was like he he'd just show up on set with an electric scooter and a mullet wig one day and rode around like, yeah, let's have some fun. He was a great motivator for the crew. So positive batshit crazy. Positive batshit crazy. No, I, I learned a lot from him. And Patrick Swayze, God rest his soul, he said, he said, Jordan, you can, you can reinvent your career, you know, seven, eight times. Like every so many years, you have to reinvent yourself. You, you know, he didn't rest on the laurels of Dirty Dancing. He'd had the roadhouse years. And before he died, he was on some television show that was... Uh, I don't that people, I didn't see it, but he's a nice guy. In fact, Patrick Swayze and I made a short film 
that I will send you a link to called Patrick Swayze Cartoon Sound Wizard, where he would hit his head with frying pans to make <laughs> cartoon sounds. Because And I wrote it for him. And I am going to post that on my website next to your picture. And Cartoon Network it paid for it to be made. Was he a cartoon or was he... No, he's real. He's Patrick Swayze. And then are the pans cartoon pans or the real pans? They're real pans. I mean, they're rubber. And we Do they added make the sound cartoon of- noises? Yeah, okay, we okay, added okay. the cartoon sound effects. It was the gag was like he was on a foley stage making sounds for the cartoons. <laughs> I'm sweetheart of a guy. Charlize Theron again, super nice. She wasn't the Charlize we know now. She wasn't post monster famous. Do you think that celebrity does change people? Like, have you? I mean, I don't know that you're like hanging out with Charlize Theron every weekend. I do not hang out. With <laughs> I saw her once at a cafe. She was very nice. But I mean, do you think that? You know, because people say that fame and money, um, it doesn't change you. It, uh, what is it called? Magnifies your current personality. It enhances you. (laughs) (laughs) So like if someone's really bad with money, if they get a lot of money, they're just worse with money. Look at these people that win the lotto and then they're broke four years later. Or they're on that show where they fix up their house and they give them the house. They don't know how to run the house. It's the same with anybody. But do do you know anyone? Have you worked with anyone that was like kind of not that famous and now they're super famous and you're just like, wow, who's that? Like they've totally changed. Um, the people that I keep in touch with wouldn't do that. Like, <laughs> a, a, a people you're listen, a, a guy your listeners may know, David Keckner, who's in Anchorman. He wears the cowboy hat in yes, Anchorman. Yes, So I did a movie with him and called He's Dill funny. Scallion. The other guy in the movie is this guy Billy Burke, who's a terrific actor. He's mockumentary, this, right? Mockumentary, on- mockumentary, uh, like a country, country spinal tap. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Uh, he's the star of a show called Revolution. Big star now on NBC. Super nice guy, down to earth, records his own music. You know, it couldn't be more the same except with money. <laughs> Lauren Graham, who was on The Gilmore Girls and Parenthood, she was in that movie as well. Super nice, super down to earth. But so what about the- I saw her at the con- I saw her at the improv a couple months ago at a show and just couldn't have been sweeter. Well, so what about these Hollywood horror stories? Do you think it's just the media like blowing up people? Or do you think these are people who are child stars who are like messed up or whatever? Because you hear these Hollywood stories where this person's having affairs or doing this and that. I mean, do you think it's just blown up Hollywood nonsense to sell magazines? Some of it. Yeah. Yeah. Some of it. I mean, I, I worked with some, uh, I worked with Henry Winkler, who was the Fonz. Oh my God. Henry Winkler and called the office I was working at one time and I almost fainted. He's the nicest man. <laughs> because I'm such man. a fan of his. <laughs> he's the nicest man in show business. Um, Peter Berg, who's an actor and a director, did Battleship and... Oh, Battleship. I named Battleship. He's got this great movie, Lone Survivor. That's like a, out right now. Yeah, that's out now. And Peter Berg, uh, I ran into him at the Apple Pan, which is this hamburger place in West L.A. It's like old school. We sit at the counter. And he's like, hey, Jordan, what's up? And we just talked. And I'm not saying I hobnob with people. I'm just a guy making a living shooting some you know, yogurt commercial. But uh, <laughs> people, people that are nice have success, and they're still nice. That, that to me, is prevalent. In Hollywood, the myth is how everybody becomes an asshole, and that gets the spotlight. You know, that gets the the attention. But do you think that that some of it is true? Like the Colin Farrells or the people who are like supposed to be, you know, showing up, Megan Fox or whatever, showing up two hours late and texting throughout the whole thing. And you think that's just like I, nonsense? I think that's I think that's disrespecting the process and disrespecting other people around you, and ultimately. It's disrespecting yourself. It's like I, I talk to other directors and younger directors that are at my company, production company, and it's like, look, if you have to yell at the crew, maybe you ought to take a look in the mirror. <laughs> maybe you're really not happy. You're laughing. I'm being serious. <laughs> I said it in a funny way. Yeah. No, because I have this image of you with this director hat on with that big... Sure, a chapeau, um, a megaphone. Megaphone, megaphone. Riding crop. But not just a... Not like an electronic megaphone, like one of those like cheer- yeah, cheerleading yeah. megaphones. <laughs> and I just had this an energy. action. <laughs> Roll the camera. See, when people say things, I get silly images in my head, yeah. or I think of cartoons in my mind, and so that's what makes me laugh. And then, you know, I've laughed before at funerals when people were crying, and I know that's so awful, but I just have this image in my mind, or sometimes I'll think of something really funny. <laughs> I can't stop. Oh, I that's can't good. Stop. <laughs> I have a I have a joke. I have a couple of jokes that I have planted the seed now that will not pay off for years. Decades. <laughs> Swear to God. My son 
put a um, I put a note in a time capsule at my son's middle school, and it says something like, "Look who you've become. You're a great man. By the way, thank you. You know I love a cup of noodles." I mean, I forget what the letter is, but I put in the name. You know I love. <laughs> I forget whatever the punchline yeah, is. But it, it has to do with it. <laughs> you know I always love cup of noodles. So in twenty, I think twenty nineteen, they're going to open the time capsule, uh-huh. and I'm going to have cup of noodles. He doesn't know this. He doesn't know that you're going to be standing there with a cup of noodles. I'm going to be standing. In the, I'm going to be the only person in the crowd <laughs> with a cup of noodles. And if it's like a party, I'm going to walk around with a cup of noodles. And when he reads his letter, you're going to be holding. I'm it. just going to be holding it and eating the cup of noodles, and he'll laugh. I know he'll laugh because we have the same sense of humor. So I planted that joke in night in 2009. And you it's have not the, that funny and, when and I you, tell it, but no, no, to no, no, me no. it's going to be fucking hilarious. And you hilarious. have the nerve to get uncomfortable when I say Jordan Brady, stand-up comedian, comic slash director, and say, "Oh, I don't know about that." You're planting jokes that don't have a payoff for ten years. Well, some may criticize it as not soon enough. <laughs> the other, the other one I got going. I told the same my same son. I have two boys. Uh, I said, when you go to the embalmer when I die. <laughs> oh God, is that going to be a joke on your funeral? Yes. yes. <laughs> I said, there's two things. One, if you can talk him into it, and I'll, I'll write a note and laminate it and put it in my wallet that I want to be buried with one eye open. That is so and creepy. One eye shut, like. That is so creepy, Jordan. I think that's really funny. And, and I go, you won't even be able to keep a straight face. <laughs> but you're going to be the guy like my dad really wanted this. And then even if they say no, because you'll probably get a lot of fight back, uh, a lot of resistance. resistance yeah. yeah, resistance. Thank you. Uh, from your mom and my wife and everybody else, your brother. But just know when you look at me, you're going to laugh. And there... he'll start laughing. So now I know when I'm dead... At my funeral. Your sons will be smiling. My son is going to be cracking up. And people are... I go, then you're going to get nervous because you're. everyone's going to be going, this is inappropriate. There was a video or an <clears throat> image floating around uh, Twitter of a guy who was at his friend's funeral, the military buddies, and they said whoever died first had to go to the other funeral in a dress. Wow. And I think he had like a hot pink dress on. And he's like crying in the picture. It's a really funny picture, but it's really sad too. But he did it for his buddy. He did it for his buddy. He showed. He said, "Whoever, which one of us dies first has to show up in a dress." Okay, we are going to wrap up because it's time to wrap up, and because my Jack Russell Terrier is about to pee all over the floor. Not cool. <laughs> Do you have anything else to promote, Jordan? Well, I was going to mention the podcast. If anybody is interested, is called Respect the Process. It's on iTunes and Stitcher, like you. We need the comments, but it's very, like I said at the beginning, it's very focused on commercial filmmaking uh, you know i've interviewed these big time advertising innovators and executives and directors and a, a cinematographer this guy did a hidden camera commercial that'll be on the super bowl mm-hmm. and i interviewed him the night before the shoot when he was all tense like <laughs> what if this shit doesn't work so if, if there's anybody out there it's respect the process podcast i mean you can find it it's at jordanbrady.com which the italian guy had his website was his name yes and That's what is your twitter it. handle I am comic movie. At I am comic movie. At so, I am comic movie. Follow Jordan on Twitter and support his podcast. This has been Out of the Box with Rosie Chan. Wow, so fun. Guys. Thank you, Rosie. Can you please go on the website and click on the donate button? Come on. I've gotten only a $20 bitcoins. donation in you the past. You take bitcoins. I take bitcoins. I take litecoins. I have an Amazon wish list. If you feel guilty giving money, I'll take... Um, these Gifts? really cute boots. I mean, they're adorable. Come on, guys. That's like what dominatrix do. You know what? So I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, uh, I've gotten several gifts from my fans, which I appreciate. Thank you very much. And I post Twitter pics. So that's why I stopped putting um, sexy looking things. What on are my some other wishlist. gift wish list things? Uh, one of my fans sent me a shirt. And another fan sent me a Hello Kitty bikini. Nice. Which I took pictures of and posted. I post. I put more moder- modest things on my wish list now. But you guys can. You guys come on. Support me. I am broke, and I'm trying to bring you guys amazing content. And this show's free. It's free. So why wouldn't someone, if one in every seven people reached into their bit purse? <laughs> I don't know. How why you wouldn't keep they? This. It's a Bitcoin wallet, and they wouldn't because they have a dark soul. So listen to Jordan. Somebody donate to this young lady's podcast. <laughs> she's doing it for the passion. She's doing it for her own sanity. And she's doing it as a creative outlet and bringing on interesting guests. 
and and I think I think you people ought to donate something. I, I don't know about the wish list. That's, that's a little creepy. <laughs> Thanks for having me. This has been out of the box with Rosie Trent. Have a great day.